Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm once again joined by Tic Tac Tomar. Uh, this is your third time on, on the show, so I always appreciate you uh, taking the time and, and doing this. And um, yeah, just before we get started, I just, you know, we were talking a bit off air. Mm. I don't know if you've kind of addressed this in, in other ways, but I just want to talk a little bit about what kind of happened with, with Zone Time and Yahoo and um, just maybe talk about the state of the media industry right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a unfortunate circumstance that I think we're seeing in, in Canadian media as a whole. Um, and it, yeah, I just got to the point where, you know, all of Yahoo Sports uh, is no longer a thing. And, you know, that does include zone time, which was definitely unfortunate. I mean, when the news first came out, we kind of all talked to me specifically about how zone time was like one of my highlights of the weekend. That instead of just being a show where we talked about just hockey and hockey and Gary Bettman sucks and hockey and hockey, uh, we were also able to kind of embrace like who we are individually. You know, uh, it was great, you know, with, you know, myself and Julian and Avery and Sam and Arun coming in, like we're able to really embrace and express who we were, not just fans, but also like black hockey fans and bring that aspect and that culture into it. And even even if the moments where, you know, the NHL decides to be completely bad um, and having the space to kind of talk about that in those instances as well. So overall, it, it's a shame that um that you know zone time is no longer to be around but you know we're hoping to to get something going uh between the between uh <clears throat> between that group because i think it was something special that we had so uh one day one day we'll see maybe a zone time the sequel uh or something down the line i'm to the zone or something like that i don't know yeah minutes or something yeah, yeah something like that <laughs> exactly. exactly what what do you think you know before we get to the hockey just mm -hmm. what that space for you, everyone who was of color and talking about hockey, which is a sport that has really lacked uh, the ability to really get provide a, a platform for people of color to love the game. What, mm -hmm. what did that mean for you, you know, you and, and everyone else on the podcast to be able to be a reflection of people that love the game, even if the game might not always love them? Yeah. I mean, I was even, I was joking around with, uh, with my sister earlier, actually, that, um, that if it wasn't for things like zone time or like making podcast appearances, <clears throat> people wouldn't even know I was black. Um, when the first time it came up, like you see a whole bunch of comments like, wow, I had no idea you're black. I'm like, well, why is that? <laughs> you know, there is, there's kind of, kind of a, a, I guess, whether we're talking about people who work in hockey, people who play hockey, people who are fans of hockey, there is a expected standard. Um, and I think shows like zone time where we're able to you know, completely address that and also show other people that, Hey, you know, the definition of a hockey fan isn't, isn't just one thing. There are multiple paths is multifaceted. Um, so that was definitely one of the most, um, I think important takeaways of having that space um and i know a lot of people um who you know were part of a part of those diverse groups i think really appreciated having a show like that so um that's one of the reasons why i'm going to miss it but it's also i think one of the main reasons as to why we're so determined to to keep it going in some capacity mm -hmm. and and with that uh you know i'm not i'm not equating race and, and gender at all but just mm -hmm. what has it been like for you i know you're wearing a pwhl uh or um you know two right now yeah. Go Toronto. Uh, <laughs> but I was just gonna say, what 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 do you think that's done for the game of hockey to finally have a women's league? And how exciting has it been for you just to watch it? And 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 Toronto's actually winning of late, so I, I don't like this because I got to <laughs> check you on Twitter more, uh, and now I, I can't to the same extent. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when you go to the games, right, I, I think everyone knows how special and important it is. And I think the cool thing is, is that now a lot of like female hockey players have a goal, have a point. Before, for the longest time, it was just, you know, make the Olympic team, play for world championship team, which by no means is not like anything small. But I think having this league, this space <laughs> where, again, where we're seeing different types and different kinds of hockey. And I think it's so great when you look around, and you see the little kids, the little little kids play with signs that's showing that like hockey can be different, hockey, hockey can be different things. And I think now we're seeing like, even with uh, the gaming with, with Montreal, I think on the 16th, being moved to Scotiabank Arena and seeing how quick it, it sold. And you used to see all the time, just people say like, oh, well, people don't watch women's hockey. People don't care about women's hockey. And the thing about the league this year is that there's been multiple um, pieces of evidence over, over and over again that show like, no, there is a desire for this. There is a, a space where a lot of people want want this happening and and it's so accessible with YouTube, with with you know TSN Sportsnet showing the games as well, with the games being available to to go to. So I honestly I think I think it's a significant thing for just hockey in general. Um, and when it comes to PWHL Toronto, huge win on Saturday like that. That's the TSN turning point. Like that game, I, I saw the game on the schedule and I was like, okay, hey, well, that's going to be a blowout. We're going to get destroyed like 6 nothing, 7 nothing." Because again, like Minnesota has like weapons. Like every time 27, so like Taylor Heisey was on the on the ice, I was like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> right, just like just like waiting for something to come up. But they completely shut them down. The team looks more and more connected. Um, They have some synergy. They're playing well. They're getting scoring all throughout, throughout the lineup. Goaltending, has, I think, has always been good on the team. And I think we're seeing league-wide goaltending is pretty good. But I think what's happening now for this PWHL team is that they're getting the goal support um, um to back it up. And now we have, you know, Natalie Spooner leading the league in goals. Sup. So, you know, so that, that so that's been great and that's been awesome. So I think right now, I, I checked the standings. I think they're top four. I think they're third yeah. and third in the league standings right now. Yeah, so, you know, right. just on the rise, just on the rise. It's just, you know, one good game after the next. But I'm really, I've been really happy with what the team's been uh, put together even in their new players as well like victoria bach made uh made her um pwhl mm-hmm. um uh debut on that saturday game and she was fantastic like i know she didn't uh she might not have got, i don't know what like the the broadcast was saying about her but like watching her in person she was on it she was involved in every play you know and just getting thrown into the top six that early and having that impact was 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 uh, excellent so i'm really looking forward to what the team is going to be doing um uh, throughout the rest of the season yeah, no, it sucks. I come back this we're recording on on Sunday and uh mm-hmm. I just had to watch PWHL Ottawa collapse in the last 5 minutes Ooh. after being three goals and losing 4-3 in overtime and they've lost every single overtime game this year so ah. it it feels as though the Ottawa Senators are are reeling into the women's team uh unfortunately. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Um, but it feels like that a little bit, but uh, the, mm-hmm. the, it's a bit brighter. They're they're not they're not too far out. Um, yeah. What do you think? Just quickly on that, uh, because you know you talk about the fans and and stuff like that. Do you think that it's really as much just about tapping into finally women being able to be marketed to? Because I go to these games, it's maybe 65 percent women to men. Mm-hmm. The games, and you know, you go to an NHL arena, it's what. 85 90 percent men so yeah you think it's that's been part of the success is finally someone marketing you know the other 50 percent of the the population 
I think that. I think also at the other at the other point as well, like for for the everyday fan, the only time they're watching women's hockey again is at those international tournaments, despite the fact that there were leagues in the past before. Like I remember rocking a Toronto six or, or rocking Toronto six gear, which made it which made it very upsetting when Grant Mantis went to Ottawa. And I was like, ah, that would have been so cool if she was, if she was on Toronto. Um, so I think so I think it is that aspect, but I, I think I can so on the flip side of it, I think that's one reason as to why Toronto has kind of, I guess for a lack of better words, misunderstood the market. Um, I don't know if they expected the, I guess, the hype and the focus around this PWHL team, for example, to be as significant as it was. And like even when, like when you go to like the game and you go to Merchant, the lines are nuts. Like everyone's lining up to try to get something, whether it's jersey, shirt, hoodie, whatever. Like the the, the attention is there, and again, I think you see in how the Scotiabank Arena game sold so quickly. If I'm the PWHL Toronto, I'm saying, hey, like yeah, Matt, you know, Matt Me Arena has been cool, but like let's play Coca Cola um uh, next season, and they yeah. can have the numbers to do so. Um, so I think I think maybe initially at first you had a lot of like you know um. I guess as far as like the the hype and the attention, I guess more of a female focus versus a male focus. But I think that's starting to change. And even Sarah Nurse, Sarah Nurse mentioned that I, I think a, a, one of the one of the All Star um, interviews that you know before she would just have a lot of like little girls coming up to her and saying yeah. like, "Hey, we're abused fans." And now she's seeing everyone like regardless coming up and saying like, "Hey, we're watching your games. Hey, we support the league. This is so great." And I think that's just what that's what the league needs. That's what hockey needs overall. So. Like, if there's anyone who wants to say that, like, no one cares about women's hockey, women's hockey doesn't matter, people aren't going to watch. I mean, I don't think – I think we're, like, what we're, like, a month or two in, into the season, and any of that can be completely blown out of the water because, like, I don't know what their expectations were for, like, viewership or or fanfare or whatever, but I think they're definitely matched and have exceeded all of that so far. Do, do we just need to have every single PWHL – stadium be bigger than the arizona coyote stadium is that what we need is that yeah. what we need? i think so you know I, I think i think if you if you make a space available people are going to show up and you know what and i don't know what the behind the scenes decisions were on like when it came to deciding like where is the toronto team gonna play and maybe there were some doubts but again i think those doubts are just being laughed at because again like like the the fans show up the the desires there the drive is there like they're they're like they're selling out tickets they're selling out merch so like the passion's there you know I think they just have to contain it and wield it. Uh, I'll go as best as I can to you know transition to mm-hmm. uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, the oh, okay. here we go. Yeah. Love <laughs> and sigh too on a daily basis. Yeah. Just what have you? If you had one word to describe the season for the Leafs, what what word would that be? Um, meh. <laughs> Honestly, just like meh. meh. And I, and I, yeah, you know, and I, and I feel like I feel like some of it, some of it's self inflicted. Um, because of the all the changes from the off season. Um, you know, Kyle Dubis is gone. Um, you know, the you know, uh, Bradtree Living joins. He adds his players. For the first time in a while, I was thoroughly interested in what the regular season will look like for this team. Um, because again, you know, you're 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 you know, by by proxy, you're changing playing styles, 
you know, you're you don't have as many players who are quote unquote defensively sound. So how is that going to play? You know, Sheldon Keefe doesn't have the GM who hired him. So maybe he has room to kind of change things a little bit. Um, And yeah, and it's definitely been different. I've been more frustrated for sure. And I don't know if it's a valid frustration or if it's a frustration because I have such high expectations for the team. But overall, this has been very like kind of middling and mid. Austin Matthews has been Austin Matthews, which is good. Um, William Nylander has, you know, taken a step and then he signed his contract and said, you know what? I think I'm good. Um, so that's <laughs> unfortunate. Um, goaltending has been up and down. Joseph Wall was great. Ilya Samsonov was, has come back and looked better. Martin Jones saved our season. No hyperbole. Uh, if Martin Jones is not in the, is not in the organization when uh, Joseph Wall goes down with injury and we have to run with Samson off, we're 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 done. Game over. It's over. You know, um, you're bringing Tyler Bertuzzi. You expect him to contribute offense, but he winds up being one of the most unlucky players in the league. So much so that he scores the goal and he gets turned back because of some bogus goalie interference thing. Whatever. We're not going to get into that. Okay. Right? <laughs> and then you know. And then injuries are starting to pile up. But again, overall, I just think based off of where the where my expectations were for the Leafs, if you if you would have told me in say July that on February fourth they'd be in the first wild card spot, I'd say what the heck happened? And because that's where they are. And my concern is like the other teams behind them aren't like crazy close. But, you know, after a week or two, they could get closer. I mean, look at Edmonton was like, what, bottom five. And they decided, they decided to win 16 games in a row, whatever it is. And now yeah. they're right back in it. And I think what we're seeing now, especially in the East, is that it's not as um, separated as it was in the past. Before it was just, okay, it was just Boston, Toronto, Tampa. But now you start, you're starting to see a little bit more spread out where like teams who may not be in a playoff spot now could still go for it. Like, I don't think Pittsburgh's in a playoff spot right now, but they're still going to try to go for it. Like, they have to, right? Um, So, a little bit middling to the point now where a lot of people always ask, like, hey, what should the Leafs do at the deadline? And I'm really like, nothing. Nothing. They're like, oh, well, like, but you have to buy. I'm like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> what, what have they shown that's worth giving up assets to try to make the team better? At this point, I'd rather them do nothing and then just, like, see what happens mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So, yeah, just overall, just a very, like, just meh, middling. Again, yeah. some individual performances have been great, but as a team, nothing that's really made me smile all the time about. Uh, how much of that is on uh, Sheldon Keefe? And uh, would you is he the right man for the job in your mind? I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know. I know Sheldon Keefe has been a, has been a focus, I think, all of this season because a lot of people – disagreed with the decision to extend him um and especially once Guy Boucher got hired as his assistant it's like huh okay so that's the that's the assistant or that's the replacement in the event that things go wrong and you know what like when the team's playing well that's also Sheldon Keith's doing as well right now the problem is when they're not playing well there are things that continue over and over again and you have to ask and you ask yourself why and I don't get it his line combinations are weird sometimes. I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, when he chooses to use lines, that I don't that I disagree with sometimes as well. They'll score a big goal. David Camp's on the line. They give up a goal. David Camp's up. Overtime starts. David Camp's playing. And I'm like, why? 
That doesn't make any sense. I'm looking at the defensive pairs. TJ Brody has had a pretty bad season overall. He has not been demoted once. Morgan Riley makes one mistake. He gets demoted. Why? Nick Robertson has been great the entire season. He plays one game, scores a goal. He's in the press box. Why? So there are, there are a lot of different decisions that Sheldon Keefe does that are puzzling. But at the same time, like, when we think about the, I'm, I'm putting this, like, seriously, the regular season success, that has been Keefe. Now, is there anyone who's not coaching right now that could be better in the playoffs? I don't know. Again, and yeah, on paper, there are people who have the resume for sure. But we have to remember, this is the Leafs we're talking about. The Leafs where what, what can go wrong will go wrong, to, to quote Stephen A. Smith talking about Dallas. So <laughs> it's like, so at this point, again, like, I think Brad True Living is in a, in, a, in, a, in a position right now where it's like, okay, just wait and see. and Just wait and see and and see how things last. But like I, I don't know. I there, but there, there are definite times where like it just feels as if the team just like doesn't care about him or mm-hmm. doesn't care about how he's perceived or doesn't care about you know how it looks that like they're they're having these efforts like this. But again, at the same time, when they are playing well, that's also Keith and Keith's system too. Um, so it's a mixed bag, and I think and I think it would be a little disingenuous to only blame Keith because again, a lot of like the roster decisions. That's right. Brad Tree Living. John Klingberg, that's Brad Tree Living. Ryan Reeves, he scored a goal. It was hilarious. That's Brad Tree Living. Max Domi, he's getting a lot of assists, but defensively, he's bad. That's Brad Tree Living. So like it, it, it's 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 a mixed bag of things, but 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 I don't think Keith has done enough to say, hey, you are we are you're absolutely the coach. Cause I do think that if a better option is out there, that I wouldn't be surprised if Brad Tree Living explores it. The, the narrative around this team, as you've alluded to, is for, what, seven years you guys have uh, always been a regular season team? Yeah. And failed in the playoffs. Is there yeah. a part of you that maybe believes that maybe this time they're not a regular season team, but the the, the grit, the, uh, the snot is part of them becoming a better team if they are able to make the playoffs, that they're more prepared for that type of hockey? Alex, let me tell you a story. Um. <laughs> There was a time where, where, where I always always thought, because like, there are a lot of GMs who have that perspective. I call it the Mark Bergevin perspective, but a lot of GMs have this. Just get in and see what happens. It doesn't matter if you're first, second, third, whatever, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, no, well, you have to get home ice and you have to get all this and you have to get all that. And I'm like, okay. So how did Florida how did Florida make the Stanley Cup final last year? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So they they got they got gifted a playoff spot. Let's call it what it is, right? Pittsburgh, they choked that game to Chicago. They should have won. They lost. Florida gets in. They face Boston. If you tell, if anyone says with a straight face that they thought that Boston was going to lose, they're lying, right? So Florida, they they go to seven games. I don't think, like right off the top of my head, I I'm not sure if if the if the Panthers did anything at the deadline. I'm pretty sure they did nothing major, nothing nothing major, major, right? Because again, at that point, I'm pretty sure they're out of a playoff spot. And once the playoffs started, they started going into playoff mode. So you know, doing all the stuff that's illegal and. They made it. To, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. So I'm watching the Leafs, and I'm okay. We are like legitimately worse in the regular season right now. And then I look at the player personnel. I'm like, okay, Tyler Bertuzzi, you're probably going to be annoying in the playoffs. Max Domi, you're probably going to be annoying in the playoffs. Jake McCabe, you were annoying in the playoffs last year. Morgan Riley, you've been playing well. So like, I, so I'm I'm thinking about that, and I wonder. 
Because the team used to always say that. I remember I laughed when Alex Kerfoot said at the beginning of last season, where it's like, oh, you know, well, the regular season doesn't matter, right? It's all about the playoffs. I'm like, you're not wrong, Alex, but, you know, don't say that. Um, so I wonder if by by some divine miracle that this is the year where they actually have a, a, so, a so-called deep run just because they have more players on the roster who can play that style of hockey. And again, what I mean by that is do stuff that the refs will allow because it's the playoffs. And when it comes to those like feisty, fiery games, the Leafs have come up on top of that. They had a, they had a pretty heavy game against Winnipeg. They've had pretty, you know, they've they've had uh, heavy games against Vancouver, and it's like okay. So if, if that's the path to that playoff style winning hockey, then. Okay, maybe maybe that's the perspective. Maybe they are sacrificing regular season success just so they can perform better there. Maybe if we're if we're looking at players like Mitch Marner, for example, who to his standard has not had like a good season again based off of his standard, maybe he's saving it for the playoffs. That'd be great because usually in the playoffs hmm. it's just Nylander who this Nylander who who um I was who goes say. so. Maybe, so I wouldn't be surprised. Like there's the the cynical part of me is saying, hey, maybe they're doing this on purpose because they know that these games don't matter. Um, I so if that's the case and it leads to success, hey, by all means. Like at this point, I just want them. I just I just don't want last season to be a fluke because that's a built in that's a built in chirp. And especially everyone was like, oh, the Leafs are winning silver like they won the Stanley Cup after winning one round. Which yeah, like that was my Stanley Cup. But I, but you know, but you want to keep it going over and over again and. If playing that style of hockey, it may which may not work in the play in the regular season works in the playoffs. If that's the goal, then hey, we'll see if it works. So you just want to be murdered by the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals? Would you take that? It sounds like that's what you're hoping for. See, Alex, see that sounds like three round wins, and I'm okay with that to okay. an extent. I have said on record to many people that the Leafs can't make the Stanley Cup Final and lose. I would not survive. Um, I, I would not make it that that would be, that'd I, be tough to be that close, that, I, that close. Yeah. The, the one thing I would say is if there's only one team that's going to lose a game seven overtime, that yeah. would be the Leafs. That For would sure. be the Leafs. just, just want to let you know, just, be, just that, your that mind during you know, April, yeah. May and, and, and June. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I want to quickly ask you about the Nylander contract because, yes. uh, you, have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, I do. And I just, is this on like a scale of, you know, one to 10 of overpay to underpay, five being in the middle, like a, a good contract, where would you put, rate this this contract? Ah, uh, man. Right now, like a seven. As an overpay. Yeah, just because like and the and see, it, it sucks because before the deal was signed, before pen was put to paper, I was on the camp of paying what pay him whatever he wants, because literally every single game, the kid was doing something goals, assists, defensive plays, whatever. He's being used in all situations, regular season power, uh, regular season, um, five on five power play penalty kill. And, he, and he's performing and he's producing on, on all of those, on all those areas, right? Now, the thing that sucks about the Leafs, besides them, 
um, <laughs> is the salary cap. Again, like, like I, I hate going on cap friendly and looking at the salary cap because you just see double digits everywhere, which would be okay if the depth wasn't a problem every single year. Like every year, if the if the if the big four, I know they I know they don't want to be called that anymore, but you know what? They they the four. If if they're not you know producing, then no one's producing. And there are some moments in the regular season where like they were starting to get more goal support. You know, Matthew Nye started scoring more goals. I talked about Nick Robertson, he he's scoring goals. Um but, you know, you look at, you have the Tyler Bertuzzi's and the Max Domi's that are getting a lot of assists, but they're not getting that many goals. And it's like, okay, but when your cap structure is set up that way, like you have to hit on every single other deal and there can't be any space for those mistakes. So that's why I look at what Brad Tree Living did over the summer and I'm like, man, that John Klingberg deal can't happen. That Ryan Reeves contract can't happen. That David Camp extension can't happen. Like if, if David Camp comes to you and says, hey, I want to make two and a half a year for four years to be the fourth line center. You say, OK, well, thanks, David. It's been fun. Have a nice life. We'll find a four. We'll find a fourth line center somewhere else. And so it, it's so it, it's a mixed bag there. It, it's the fact that like we're missing on those deals that we can miss on and that when it when we need production from the other players, we're not getting it. So what sucks with Nylander is that you look at next season. Okay, so he's going to get like a five point whatever math, quick math, like a five yeah, million dollar raise, right? Yeah. Austin Matthews is going to get a raise. Mitch Marner is going to be in the final year of his deal, and he's probably going to say, "Well, you know, Matthews is making this, and Nylander is making this, and I should make fourteen just because." Um, so, and it's just like, okay, so at, at what point do we just say, you know what? No, yes, you're a good player. Yes, you're putting up historic numbers, but the salary cap still exists. And the thing that's been so frustrating frustrating for the Leafs is that they made a lot of these decisions banking on the salary cap going up. Yeah, now it's going up this year by I don't know how much. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be that much. Right? Something like that, right? But again, that so that raise is already taken away by by Nylander, by Nylander's deal. So you're back to square one. And they they just can't operate like that. And I think they need to start getting comfortable with the idea that you're a good player in an ideal situation, you stay on the team, but you can't. So this is what we have to do. And for the longest time, it started with the Dubis, we can and we will. And it just continued to the point where all of these players who, yeah, it would be great for them to stay, but we just can't swing it. You have to go. And I look at a team like Vegas, who, who again, got ridiculed for being so cutthroat when it came to that, but they won. I look at Colorado, and I look at their cap friendly, and I'm like, they won. I know, I look at Tampa, and yeah, oh yeah, you'll state tax, yeah, whatever, sure, but still, like, they won. And we have not, like, Vegas was the first team to have a player with double digits, and they win the Stanley Cup. And they only had one. And yeah, yeah, and they only had one. We now have next year, we're gonna have four. And again, and with so many holes and so many areas where improvements can be made, and you're getting put to it, put in positions where you want to where you want to improve the team, but you can't. And especially when you when you have Brad Tree Living saying, Well, we don't want to get rid of a first Fraser Mid and Easton Cowan, which I agree with, but if you don't want to do that, then you're not doing anything. 
And if that's the case, then you're banking on the players that you already have. And if you're doing that, then okay. But then that's just been the formula since, I don't know, since the beginning of the Shannon plan, pretty much. Can I, yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask you, does that change with Tavares and coming off the books in a year? Like, is it like two, like this year, next year of hurt with Tavares, the four guys making over 10? And then, like, I'm just wondering, trying to be Brad Tree Living. And then saying after that, you don't have Tavares. Yeah, guys, but they're signed long term. Presuming you sign Marner, I think that's probably what, I think that's probably what they're what they're banking on, or what they're thinking about. But I guess my just concern would be, okay, so are we just going to take all that extra money and just give it to Marner? Because I don't think that's what you should do. Um, and another thing too is that, like, windows are so important, and right now we're seeing Matthews, Nylander, Marner, like play the best hockey of their career. And we're already starting to see signs of Tavares slow down. He just had like a nine nine goalless no nine goalless drought, eleven point point drought that he just ended. But we're starting to see that that slowdown that people said, ah, don't worry about it when he was initially signed coming to play. So it, it, it's all about the moment and the time. You look at Vancouver. This is the first time Vancouver's been like like a decent respected team in the longest time. And they said, okay, cool, let's go. And now they added, um, uh, a uh, thing. Lindholm. Oh my gosh. His name, but Lindholm, Lindholm from Calgary. Um, the door off, like, like they're adding players because they recognize that we have an opportunity. And the thing that sucks for the Leafs is that they can't do that. They can't just say, okay, well, here's, well, here's our, here's our time. Let's just go for it. Like arguably that was probably last year. Like yep. last year was like was the most active I've ever seen in the Leafs where they added Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Chari. Like they, they went off, Jake McCabe, they went off. But this season they can't do that, both because of the lack of cap space and the lack of like, you know, prospect and pick capital. And you're just at a point where you just have to rely on the players you have on the team. And they've given us no reason to believe that they can do it. I hope they can. I want them to, but it's just wishful thinking again. So what's what's gonna happen with Marner then in your mind? Like, what would you do if you became tree living uh, for the day or for this mm. off season, and you were in the room with Mitch Marner? What would you tell him? What would your pitch be? I I think so. Brad Chilling has always been like, like yeah, we can't ignore the context. He's always been a person where he's like, oh, if you have special players, you keep those special players, sure. But I think they have to go into those negotiations with a number in mind, and that's the number. And you can't exceed that number. And if he exceeds that number, then it says, okay, well, Mitch, you were a 2015 draft pick. You've done your top 10 in franchise scoring. We can't work with that number. So either you take this number or you're going somewhere else. That's that's what they have to do. They they have to stop this idea of always pandering to what the players want. And I understand why the players are going to ask for whatever they want. Like it's their career, they want to maximize their, yeah. their earnings for sure. But as an organization, you have to start saying no. And it sucks now because Marner has a no move. So you're kind of in a position where it's either like you sign him or you risk the, you risk the idea of losing him for nothing. But like at this point, cap space is a resource. And I wouldn't have said this like two, three years ago, but because they they can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, like I don't know how you expect to do any better if you have Marner making like 13 and a half over eight years, and then you have to re-sign Mar- uh, Matthews three years later. 
Like, and then, yeah, sure, Tavares is coming off the books. Okay, but yeah, well, what happens when Matthew Nyes is an RFA? What happens when Robertson's an RFA? What happens when Easton Cowan and Fraser Mitten make the team and they're valuable players on the team and they want to get paid? So, like, at some point, you have to set a new precedent. I think Marner might be the place to start. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, you know, before I let you go, I just, um, <laughs> I just want to ask you a little bit about, um, some other Canadian teams and mm. that would be the Oilers, the Canucks and, and the Jets. Do you think this is the year that a Canadian team wins the Stanley cup and you can say the Leafs? I just, I don't believe you. I, I think it's the best year in a while, like the best chance. Like, it's not that these teams are good, like by accident, like, the Jets, even though they've been hit with 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 injuries, they're they're been playing some great hockey. Connor Hellebuck is still fantastic. Edmonton again, like I'm so impressed with what they with what they've been able to do. Yes, they had McDavid and Drysaddle, but like 16 games in in a row after that kind of start with that with so many question marks and so many issues is is unbelievable. And the Canucks man have been fantastic. So if like if there was ever a year for a Canadian team to win it, like this would be this would be it and if that happens then hockey twitter is gonna suck <laughs> <laughs> um so but yeah i think this year is definitely is definitely the year where a canadian team could probably take it would you would you cry when you see uh, mcdavid bring the cup home to toronto after winning in edmonton man i saw phil kessel bring the cup into into after after winning his after winning his stanley cup so like i'm desensitized to all that stuff if anything it's just gonna sting because it's gonna be like oh okay Lots well, another 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 thing that they have, awesome, great, cool. You know what? It'd be so great if the Leafs can put can put themselves in that, in that position, but no, they don't want to. It's um, okay. He's gonna come. He's gonna come to Toronto and when he's a free agent in what two years, three years? I don't believe that. I no. say it as a, I say it as, a, as a joke. I don't think he's gonna do that. I mean, no, I think he's, he's gonna, gonna, I think gonna be. A, I think he's gonna be an Oiler for life. Dry really? title, That's a different story. But but yeah. McDavid. I think McDavid's gonna be an Oiler for life. What happens if Drysaddle leaves? Do you think he'd leave? Um, I think it would depend on what the Oilers did with the space or with any of the assets that they got back in you know, from it in the event of a in the event of a deal. Like, if I'm if I'm the Oilers and I get any inkling that Drysaddle's not not resigning, move him because he's I like it's he's at a hilarious cap hit. Like the fact he makes eight and a half is so funny. Like everyone's like, oh, Peter Shirley was horrible. Yes, but. That's his that's his contract. That's his deal. Um, so yeah, and and then if it does end up that dry settle is not on Edmonton, I I don't know. I think I think I don't think McDavid would want to like get out immediately. I think you'd want to see like what is the next moving was the next mm -hmm. step because they could take that package of whatever they get in a dry settle deal, for example, and make and use it to improve the team overall. Or maybe you have, maybe between that time, you have more prospects that are willing to make, make the team and have some contributions there. So I don't think dry settle being out automatically means McDavid, McDavid's going to be out, but, um, but we'll see who knows. Uh, how excited are you for uh, best on best hockey? Um, The actual best on best or that stupid four nations thing they're doing. No, the Olympics. <laughs> we, we don't talk about the Gary Batman's, whatever that is. But I mean, yeah. it should be fun. But I, I guess better cool. than an All Star game. Come on, it's that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome. I mean, like, like I'm excited for the players, and I'm excited for players who, like, especially like a lot of those players from that 2015 draft class who haven't had an opportunity to to play on Olympic teams. Now, that being said, 
Um, I'm seeing a lot of people say like, oh yeah, it's gonna be so fun to see Canada and US in the Olympics. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, are you sure? The US is stacked, like from goaltending to defense to the forwards. Like we could easily have like a Brady Kachuk, Matthews, Matthew Kachuk line, which is stupid. Like you'll have all the Hughes brothers, the goaltending, Hellebuck, Ottinger. Like it's and then again, you look at Team Canada. It's like, okay, yeah, we're gonna have McDavid. Cool. Probably have Mitch Marner. Cool. Nathan McKinnon. Awesome. Bedard probably makes the team. Um, Hill McCarr. Uh, Pichangelo. Cool. Devontae's maybe. And then the net. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, who's our goalie? I don't know. I saw someone say Aiden Hill. I was like, oh, okay. Anyone else? Connor so like, Oh, okay. Anyone else? <laughs> so, like, as as awesome as it is for like hockey overall to have best on best, I, I think I think it'll be very it's gonna be very funny when the United States gets a gold medal, and that's and that's You're... a yes, that's a that's a take that I am standing on. If you know, yeah, yeah. I I see him, and I I completely agree. Like, my heart says Canada, my mind says USA. The yeah. one thing is, I heard Jamie McLennan say this: is you only need one goalie, right? Like the the thing is, the U.S. does have depth, and they have way yeah. better goalies than Canada. It's not even close. Yeah, you just need one guy. And then if you look at Canada, maybe they don't have the same depth, especially on defense as the States, but whole, mm. like, imagine a McDavid, Bedard, McKinnon line. Like as, like, as good as the U.S. is, they mm. I think Canada's firepower, like elite, elite, uh, outside of maybe Matthews for the States, Canada has the creme de la creme. And that's, yeah. I feel it's almost like depth and sturdiness versus just, star power in a way yeah. if it's I weird. think it just I think it just depends on how whoever is the GM of the team chooses to build it if they do the regular hockey Canada thing where it's just like okay well we need our first two lines to be this and then we need some characters we're gonna get some grinders on the third line or they just do the smart thing where it's just like hey just take your best players and bring them there um because I because be like that's what that's what the USA is gonna do they're gonna take their 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 25 or however many many players that go their best players in, in every regard, and they're going to go. If Canada is the same thing, then we're fine. But if we start saying, okay, well, you know, we need some grinders and, you know, also some goal scorers, so we're going to throw Zach Hyman on the team. No disrespect to Zach Hyman. That'd be a great season. But, like, come on. You know what I mean? And, like, like, so it, it, it's it's that. that That's what worries me. It, it's the, the Hockey Canada um, model of, like, making a team where it's just, like, we have to have, like, roles and, like, attitude and character. And, and it's like, yes. Or we could just bring the best players in the nation to the Olympics. If they do that, then we're fine. But if you start seeing some like random names, this is like, who the heck is that? Then I have concerns. Um, so yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. I just need to, uh, you know, Drake Batherson randomly on the team or someone that's like, what, wait, what, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, okay. Before I let you go, just mm-hmm. you have a cup prediction. Or or anything even in the NHL like a storyline that you've liked this year too. We can kind of go a different a bunch of different ways. Something that's really been on your mind throughout the season, a, a storyline, something that you want to watch uh, out for for mm. the, rest of the year. I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Kings because mm-hmm. they had such a good start and now things are just starting to crumble. Yeah, Drew Doughty calling out players in the team. They fire Tom McClellan. 
Um, so I'm very interested to see if they are able to turn things around and if they face Edmonton in the first round again, because like those two teams have met over and over again, and Edmonton has been the team on top. So I so that's that's one team and series and I guess storyline that I'm gonna be focusing on for sure because I think it's so disappointing because I think I thought the Kings were a quality team to start and they kind of fizzled out a little bit. So hopefully they they took the all-star break as a reset and they can kind of get back to how they were playing before and you know Peter De, you know and uh, Pierre Luc Dubois can rem- remember what his contract is and you know play to that contract. <laughs> um uh so yeah, so that's something I'm gonna be looking forward to. Yeah, no, as a, you know, I, I am in the media, but I am a, a Jets fan at heart. And to, mm-hmm. to see the Kings and Dubois do the way he has and then see the Jets on the other way, it's been pretty sweet. I won't, I won't lie. It's been it's been yeah. nice. And That's all awesome. I'm going to say, and this I think is the best way to, to end off, Omar, is I hope mm-hmm. William Nylander turns into the next Pierre-Luc Dubois after signing a contract. That's so mean. That's so mean because I don't like, think it's gonna happen. I man. hope not because like well, like we've been trying like we it, it took this season for people who just hate Nylander for no reason to finally stop hating him, and now these kind of been like a little last days ago. They're like ah, you see, ah, there's that lazy bum. And I'm like no, it's fine. It's just a, it's just a just a little 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 rut. But yeah, if he like goes into next season and is just like like half a point of half a point a game, and I'm like oh, okay, so we're in we're in uh. We're in Johnny Huberdo uh, territory. This is not good. And also, you make that much money. Okay, that's awesome. It would have been good to get you know like another defenseman, a third line center, backup goalie with that. So layers. Yeah, yeah you know layers. That'd be, that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly. No. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, just because uh, one player is produced in the playoffs, the other one hasn't. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Omar. Is there anything you want to plug for yourself or anything or just, you know, uh, GIFs upon us that we need to <laughs> prepare for? Um, Yeah, I mean, like the All-Star break is done there. So the season kind of will continue on. So just, yeah, still on Twitter. Uh, still do the uh, athletic observation sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and for uh, when, yeah, more when uh, zone time picks up, uh, just look out for that. Uh, we don't know what a name is going to be for yet, but it'll still be uh, myself, Avery, Sam, uh, Julian, Haroon. Like, uh, we're we're really hoping to get that back going. So um, that's something to look out for. Awesome. As uh, the number one fan of Zone Time, I'm just going to proclaim it myself. Uh, yeah. I really hope uh, it comes back soon, especially so I can hear you talk about the Leafs in the playoffs. That's <laughs> really what I want to hear. Yeah. And, uh, thanks so much for doing this, Omar. I really appreciate it and uh, have a great day. Yeah, no problem. Take it easy.